0: Today's show is going to be something very different. <laughs> in fact, it might kind of uh, uh, shake you up a little bit, maybe in a good way. Uh, but I just want you to be prepared that this is not the normal thing that we talk about. Um, so you'll want to stay tuned for sure. And by the way, if you have uh, something you'd like to say to us, you can always call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662 821 Four zero, Or you can write us an email at sandy at AFR.net, sandy at AFR.net. Before we start the show, though, I'd like to take a minute and have a heart-to-heart talk with you. Well, by that I mean, if you're able, place your hand right now over your heart. Can you feel it? I know I can. My strong heartbeat reminds me that I'm alive. It's the same for an unborn baby. The heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound, and that's where preborn steps in, rescuing 200 babies every single day from abortion simply by providing a mother with a free ultrasound and allowing her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, Eyes are forming, and by 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Pre-born needs our help to save these precious babies. For just $28, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. And if you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped rescue. All gifts are tax-deductible, and 100% of your gift goes towards saving babies. To donate, just take your phone... Dial pound two fifty and say the keyword baby. That's pound two fifty, baby. Or you can donate securely at preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Okay, brace yourself because here comes the next version of Sandy Rios.
2: Execution scheduled for 11 p.m. But he's trying to convince us he's gone insane.
1: And therefore incapable of being executed. I need you to prove he's faking it. Edward? I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm not Edward. I'm a demon.
2: Demons aren't really a thing. (laughs) What happened to Edward? We own him. a master manipulator you have
1: your head so twisted around you think you're the killer not him and give me something to make me believe you prove to me you're a demon
2: probably just a coincidence i want to talk to the real edward, edward. makes me do bad <laughs> i can't stop him i need you to see something you got a fan. Did the same thing with all
1: his victims. Help me. I'm trying to, Edward, but you have to answer my questions. You have to tell me the truth.
2: It won't let me.
1: It can go away. It can go away.
2: Yes? Yes?
0: All right, Sandy Rios with you. (laughs) You know that this is not uh, the normal opening for my show. This is not something that I normally talk about. I personally uh, don't like to see horror movies. I haven't done that for years. I did when I was a kid. Uh, But I feel like there's so much wickedness in them, so much evil. Uh, But this is a movie of a different kind. It actually opened April the 14th. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this show, it's uh, should be available in the- theaters. It's called a nefarious plot. And the subtitle is "Speak of the Devil," uh, and it is actually about spiritual warfare. It's not made up. It's uh, it's written by someone who deeply understands spiritual warfare, and he's joining us this morning. You'll recognize him. His name is called his name <laughs> his name is Steve Dace. He is the host of the Steve Dace Show on Blaze TV. He's also the host of the Steve Dace Podcast. Uh, and this movie was based on the book that he has written. And so I've asked him to join us to talk about it uh, today. Steve, thanks for joining us.
1: Happy, with, happy to be with you, Sandy. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I'm good. I, I, you know what? I, I'll get lighter with you later. But since I started with that trailer... Uh, let's go write for mm-hmm. this. This is, people are wondering, you know, what this is about. And I could read this little description, but why don't you tell? You're the writer. Uh, what in the world is this? Were they hearing, and what's this about?
1: Well, my first ever trip in my career to Washington, D.C., um, I got, uh, because there's no better place to be inspired for such a thing, um, I got inspired there to write. Sort of a sequel homage to the screw tape letters and the C.S. Lewis classic, which he wrote during World War II, talking about how the demonic realm tempts us as individuals. And, and, you know, kind of the rule of any sequel is the threat's got to be even bigger, you know. And so I decided let's go next level and talk about the demonic takedown of an entire culture. And I wrote this book almost, uh, it was published in 2016. The manuscript. Um, was completed in 2015, so it's, it was almost a decade ago now, eight years ago. And I, I laid out, I created this character named uh, uh, a high lord of hell named Nefarious, Lord Nefarious, who was tasked by Satan with the destruction of the United States. And he lays out in great detail in the book a nefarious plot how he did it, whom he did it through, names, actual names, actual events, real historical occurrences, um, connects dots, and he puts it all into a book, and, and, and just makes it very blatant because our unwillingness to receive it or to turn back from it will be the ultimate confirmation for his master, the devil, uh, that his plan has been successful and they can now move on to the next phase of, uh, their global dominionist scheme with the United States off the, off the chessboard. And, um, the guys who did God's Not Dead and Unplanned, uh, found out about the book. Uh, and uh, just thought it would make, at least the character anyway, a heck of a movie. Now, how do you translate a 200-page polemic of a demon, basically, you know, dunking on you into a movie? Well, we needed, uh, you know, and they call this in this story business, a MacGuffin. What's the plot driver that gets us to the point we want the story to be about? And so we decided to actually write a prequel. Uh, when we made the movie, we decided to write a, the prequel to the book. the The movie will show... The origin of the demonic manuscript. And there is a serial killer on death row named Edward Wayne Brady, uh, who claims on the day of his execution that he is demonically possessed and was the entire time he committed these crimes. And so the court appoints an atheist psychiatrist because there's almost no other kind unless you just talk to Jordan Peterson over and over again. And, uh, <laughs> he comes into the prison to do a psych eval thinking that uh, he's an atheist academic he's got all the answers, smug, arrogant, and he thinks he's got all the answers, he's got to check the box, this is all the ruse, there's no such thing, and by the end of this encounter with this this entity, his worldview is going to get shattered and get wrecked, and uh, we're going to use, we use this demonic figure to say to the audience things that frankly our churches don't say anymore, which is one of the main reasons we're in the position we're in right now as a culture. And, you know, you play that trailer, and it doesn't seem like that is what the movie is about at all. And, you know, we made a calculated gamble with this film. Uh, My company put in all the millions for it, um, so we wouldn't have a studio get us try to get us to water it down. We we took the risk of distributing it independently, so we had to literally fight theater to theater to get it into theaters at all. Uh, We marketed it as a kind of a generic, spiritual, thriller, horror movie which probably, frankly, is going to end up costing us millions of dollars, if I'm brutally honest, because a lot of people in the church just decided, uh, well, it's rated R, so automatically it must be bad, and didn't really investigate it at all. Um, but we did it. We we thought that was a calculated risk, because we really were hoping in the theatrical wing uh, to, to bring unbelievers in, to, to show them branding and imaging and marketing that they're accustomed to in this genre. Sandy, last year, Hollywood released 31 horror movies, Sandy, more than any other genre this year, counting our movie, which really isn't a horror movie, but we're just calling it that. It's 35. All right, so but this is this is where moviegoers are flocking more than any other genre, and it's not even close.
0: You know, right, I've seen a, that. In, I, I, Steve, I love to go to movies. I really do. I love them. I, I don't know if I should, but I do. I have just grew up on them, and I, I find not, I But there are limits. I don't watch just anything. I won't do that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I have noticed. I will go to the movie uh, and about something, and that we'll see. You, you are assaulted by these trailers that are so graphic yep. and wicked. Yep. I uh, yep. uh, uh, It is. Um, I think I, I could not bring my kids. I could not even just because the trailers are not safe anymore. Uh, because Apple, I remember sitting. I remember sitting to watch
1: um, a. Uh, I can't even remember what uh, family movie it was last year in the theater. And uh, a, a trailer that claimed it was a green band trailer for that movie Bros aired. First of all, given the subject matter of that film, there's no such thing as a green, green band means approved for all audiences. Okay, And it was just disgusting and reviling. And this was in front of, you know, kind of, uh, it was one of the superhero family movies. I don't remember which one last summer. So you're right about this, but this is why we went there, uh, Sandy. We made this movie primarily, first and foremost, to go to Nineveh. We, we are James, who is our, the name of our psychiatrist. He is a stand-in for the culture. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out who are the sheep and who are the wolves, who are the people that just don't know, because for the last generation, the Church has thrown at them guys with Hawaiian shirts, pleated khakis, and sweater vests, and, and frankly, Bill Maher, in his monologues, is more of a threat to the spirit of the age, the atheist fundamentalist, is more of a threat to the spirit of the age than any of them are. And that's basically what the Church has shown them for a generation. It has not taken catechesis, discipleship, its core mission, seriously on a, on a, on a corporate level. There are For every John MacArthur, there's 10,000 other guys in sweater vests and pleated khakis. And so much of the culture is falling for these spiritual canards, because how will they hear the word if there is no one to preach it to them? And so we wanted to go to Nineveh. We wanted to see who's a Ninevite and who's a Sodomite, to be perfectly blunt. All right, who doesn't know and would repent if confronted like James does in our film? Uh, and then who would um, who would just look at it and say, I don't care to know. I, I like the dark. In fact, I'm going deeper into it. And so that's why we marketed it this way in the hopes that unbelievers would come and it would uh it would spark some conversation for them to see the true origin of their worldview now that we've been in theaters for a few weeks and we'll head to streaming soon now uh, you know people are probably noticing online we're letting more out about the tr- the film's true plot. All the scenes in that trailer are in our movie, but what's in that trailer is not the way those scenes are depicted in that movie okay uh, now we're being more honest about and, and transparent maybe is a better way of saying it about what the movie is truly about because now we are going to market it more directly to our own people now that we've been in theaters for a few weeks and we'll head to streaming soon. Um, because I think, I think the church looked at it and said, what is this? Uh, and, and now that we've had a chance to screen this for pastors, uh, hundreds of them all over the country, uh, lots of uh, faith leaders, um, you know, movement leaders have seen it, and are like, wow. And, and let me say this first and foremost, and this is why the movie is very effective. It's staying good. We did not sit out... Set out to make a good Christian movie, we set out to make a good movie we're just all Christians, so we didn 't have to worry about how are we going to check every theological box. It was going to come out organically. We made a very good movie. it is expertly acted uh, by Sean Patrick Flannery, who frankly if if this were any other subject matter, it would be an academy award level performance that 's how good he is in the movie. The cinematography uh, the uh, the sound editing we did not spare an expense i mean we 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 did everything we could to make what looks and sounds like a, a top-notch Hollywood thriller, the kinds of things you would have se- seen in the 90s, uh, you know, from like A Silence of the Lambs. And that's what we were aiming for in our film, and I think we nailed it. It's just done with a biblical worldview.
0: You know, I have to say, to echo what you're saying, and it's me talking now, not you, since you made the film and wrote the book, or, you know, participated in doing the film and wrote the book, uh, a lot of my friends, uh, DC-centric, have seen this, and they just, they're blown away. It, it, they think it, it's wonderful. They're not, necessar- they're not necessarily church people like I, I am. I'm a church person. I am. Uh, uh-huh. they, they, are, they were blown away by it, Steve, just to echo what you just said. Uh, I have actually not been able to see it yet, so I can't feign that, and I don't want to because I want to actually see it. I just haven't had a chance, but I will. Um, I, I'm curious to know well people are going to ask me this so I have to ask you it, if it's a rated R is this something that's going to um, be uh, people that are careful with what they watch is this going to be hard for them to see in the traditional ways like uh, violence and uh, no. why is it rated R no. I mean why is it have that uh,
1: rating? well because because um, it's, the, it's the same MPA that rated unplanned R from the same filmmakers I was I was joking with Carrie and Chuck who made Unplanned as well. At this point, you guys are marked. They're just going to, they know you guys know how to make good movies. So they're just going to make everything with mature themes. So they're just going to make, put everything on it in an R and hope that, uh, frankly, um, you know, the, the, the Christians who are like, well, I could never see a rated R movie, even if it's called The Passion or Schindler's List. And that way, that way your movies will fail. I mean, that's, that's the goal. Um, it is not, it is not family camp. I mean we made a mature movie. It does it deals with mature things. It's not it's much like my book. Um, I I have taught my book to youth ministries um, and and churches in my own hometown here in Des Moines. I don't teach my book to anybody under the age of 13. Um, you know any 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 prepubescent isn't ready for the commentary of this book and and I would say the movie is very similar but there are no F bombs um i think the word hell or damn might be said once or twice a piece there's not a drop of blood there's no nudity um it takes place on death row to determine whether or not um a, a serial killer will get executed and that is the you know that determination is the culmination of our film without spoiling anything so there are some intense scenes it's not for little kids but no it's nothing i will say this 40 years ago this might have been a rated R movie in the 70s. But in this day and age, you see a lot worse at a Marvel movie in PG-13.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I'm glad. So we needed to clarify that. If people want to... Look, you go to com, and I imagine... I'm assuming that there they can find out where it's playing, where they can find it near them. com Is it still in theaters, Steve?
1: It is still in theaters. Uh, we're heading into our... I want to say it's our fourth week, or third week in theaters, and it's it's a battle, man. I mean, we have to fight for theaters every week. We've got two things working against us. There aren't a lot of truly independent films anymore. I mean, even even the really good Christian movies we're making nowadays, like Jesus Revolution, go through a major studio like Lionsgate, and we had opportunities and options to do that. We just were fearful given our subject matter, and when you see the film, you'll see why. Our our subject our film goes right after the 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 current zeitgeist It aims right for it okay the the scene in the trailer that you just played where the demon is counting down three two one that actually is a reference i won't spoil it to one of the most contentious issues of this era All right and so we were we we had some major Hollywood stars that showed interest in being in this movie because the script was so good, but everybody wanted to water it down from day one and so we just decided to bypass the entire studio system and, and and hold on to the integrity of the message. Now, in exchange for that, it comes with a price. Um, they don't want us. They don't want independent films to be successful outside of the studios nowadays anyway, but particularly with the worldview that we present. And so on a given week, I don't know, are we at 1,000 theaters? 800? 975? 1,300? I mean, it is a... <laughs> It's crazy. Literally, day to day, we are having to fight to hold on to theaters for this movie. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, who is dot com is where you can find out if it's playing near you, and it'd be worth a drive, you know, to take your adult friends with you and go see this, or see your non your non believing neighbors. What a conversation it would start. Who is Nefarious dot com? Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, uh, you've been a Christian for you have a very interesting life. You were raised by uh, you. Okay, can I say this I, that you you didn't. You were born illegitimately. Your mother raised you, married someone else. Uh, you were raised sure. in that family, sure. and I'm not even sure when you became a Christian, and I don't even 20 necessarily... Ago, 20 Okay. Oh, it was a promise keepers event, right?
1: Correct. Promise yeah, keepers I'll, event in the September 2003. Right.
0: Yeah, okay. All right, so you are a deeply... I've known you for a long time, and everything that you write and say, you never apologize about your fate. That's what I love about you. Kind of... Yes, I, I, th- I think that's important. You're a brilliant guy, great mind, always, a ch- always wonderful to listen to, and you always are so insightful. So here's the thing. You just wrote a book about spiritual warfare, well, 10 years ago. Now this movie is made. It's, all about, it's about spiritual warfare, about the reality of Satan and demons. Uh-huh. And uh, not, I think, I don't know, what, three, a month ago, two months ago, you got seriously ill. Uh, with a terrible infection. Um, And then recently, and you tell your listeners this, who listen to you on the podcast, recently you really, uh, well, let's just say, I'll let you talk about it. You have come under attack in an incredible way. I I don't know what you want to say about it, uh, but I would love for you to explain to people because the one thing that you did say that we could talk about is that you... You were doing what you felt was God's work, which you are, and you were. And you thought it would have a different outcome.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: because it's been more of a struggle, because now you've, you got so terribly ill, have almost lost your life on more than one occasion, you went into depression. Okay, I'll I'll say no more. You, it's your story. You tell it, please.
1: Sure. I mean, uh we knew going into this, that there would be spiritual challenges. Um, my own, uh, directors and writers, Carrie Solomon and Chuck Consulman, uh, nearly died of COVID pneumonia during the Delta wave, right as we were beginning to shoot the film in August of 2021. Uh, they ended up uh, being hospitalized. And if you guys know from that period of time, uh, they still were denying treatments, and if you went into the hospital, particularly men, they're both in their early 60s now, uh, you go into the hospital at that age, it was literally a flip of a coin that you were coming out. So, so for uh, you know, <laughs> an hour after I got discharged from the hospital in New York last Saturday, one of our other producers, Chris Jones, texted me. Uh, he nearly got killed. SUV came out of nowhere in a parking lot as he was putting his uh, infant son, Judah, into his car seat. Came out of nowhere in a parking lot, took the door off of his car in total, it nearly killed him, missed him by inches. I mean, the, the challenges that we have undergone in this movie, we've almost, the movie's almost gone belly up numerous times. Um, we faced, uh, we faced strikes in, in right to work states. Okay. I mean, it's just, it has been, it, it has been nuts. And, and, and then right when we get to the finish line and the movie is about to come out the week of its release, I end up, uh, with a, just a one-in-a-million rare, um, what's called MRSA, a very deadly bacterial infection uh, next to in my upper left torso. And it's completely random. There's no way of knowing how you get it. I mean, I know really how I got it, but there is no way to avoid getting these. Um, everybody carries this bacteria on their body, and they don't really know what causes it at times to turn and become malevolent. Um, but it was exceedingly painful, I ended up forming golf ball-sized cysts. They had to literally carve them out of my body. The, even the follow-up appointments were just excruciating pain, um, and and it looked like I was finally in the clear. No more of it in my system. The cysts were healing, and I had had long scheduled an event for Moms for Liberty in Rochester, New York, and uh, and my doctor and I was tolerating the antibiotics. I was. Day 8 into the uh, 10 days, so they figured, hey, there's a high incident of allergic reaction to these sulfates, but I was out of the woods of that, so I got cleared to go on this trip. And so I jumped on the plane and went out to do this uh, Moms for Liberty event in Rochester, New York. And then uh, last uh, that uh, last Friday night, um, in the middle of the night, I was putting off so much heat. My fevers were so high, my wife checked my temperature in the hotel room. It was over 104, and she called 911. And I ended up in the hospital ambulance. Um, they, and, and, and they've got, they, because of how deadly MRSA can be, uh, they can't just immediately think it's an allergic reaction to the drugs because now I've got to go through the whole protocol of being cultured and everything all over again. This hospital is overrun. There are literally beds in the hallway. There aren't uh, people just in the emergency room. There's no beds available for me upstairs. I'm in this makeshift tent and that's basically a, a you know, a, a kid, a kid closet, you can barely move in. And there's a chance I might be here for days until the culture. I mean, it was just, I I was at my lowest point as a believer. I, I mean, I, I was, uh, it's hard to get me to admit defeat. I'm the kind of guy that will find a way and a victory in every situation. I hate losing more than anything else. And I, I was feeling for the first time, really as a Christian defeated, like I was, you know, I was discouraged and demoralized. And, uh, I can under- I understand now, though, why I had to go through this. Um, I, I, they were able to get me into another makeshift wing that they had constructed for um, overflow, but at least it gave me a little more privacy and space. And, but but it, that was also overcrowded. So the wife, my wife had to go back to the hotel room at 8 o'clock at night, and, re- and then I was going to be there by myself for the next 12 hours. And uh, I could sense something was about to happen. I, I tweeted out on my account. It's going to be me, God, and the enemy in this room here for the next 12 hours. I'm just, you know, I I just, I I can't let go of the rope, you know, and uh, about an hour or so after my wife uh, had had to go home, the the fever came back with a vengeance again, and it's just insufferable. I'm so hot, and uh, I've got IVs in every arm and everything else, and finally, I just had this um, overwhelming conviction that I had to get up and rise and walk. I've got heat rash, I've got rashes going down my legs, I, my, my my resting heart rate's like 114, and I'm in pretty good physical condition. I work out a lot, uh, and my resting heart rate is typically about 65. Um, I mean, I just, it's just, I'm miserable, and, and but I had this conviction, I had to get up and walk, and so I just asked the nurse, can you disconnect me from the IV for a little bit, just so I can move my feet around and walk. And of course they're worried about blood clots when you're that sedentary. So she said, sure, just be careful. You start getting dizzy, Let us know. And, uh, before I knew it, Sandy, I, I mean, I, I walked this sea corridor of this observational wing in Rochester, New York for three hours. Um, the, the pain in one of my arms from the IV was very bad. It just went away. um, I started sweating, um, and my fevers started to break. Um, I'm not even wearing shoes. I had been on my back for the most of the last 12, 16 hours. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot to eat. Um, but I just, you know, I just had an, I can't, you know, I I talked about it a lot on a podcast on my show the other day. Um, I mean, it was just very clear I needed to be there that night because in my normal day of work, it'll be so busy. uh, I'll be so fixated on what I think I need to do uh, for the kingdom that uh, I would not have been in a position to listen. And, And I think the Lord just had to put me in that situation so that I would listen to what He had to say. And so for the next three hours, I just took turns walking this corridor. For whatever reason, they never stopped me once never told me, hey, we got to connect you back up, got to check your vitals. Just let me keep going. You know, it's the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm just walking this hospital corridor back and forth to the point that I'd walked nine kilometers by the time. That's about five plus miles by the time that this uh three hours had ended. And uh, and it was just very clear that I needed to be there that night to hear what the Lord had to say to me. And um, uh, now I would, you know, I'd almost wish to go back there. I mean, I just can't even tell you what that, it was like I didn't need anything else in the world. Um, um, it was, uh, I mean, it was just extraordinary. I don't know how to explain it. But the, the mm. biggest takeaway that, that, I, I, that I think he wants me to share with, with our people is that he is well aware of what is happening. He is not stunned. He is not surprised and that he is, I think, concerned that many people are feeling hopeless and despair and are about to let go of the rope, or they think they're just going to sit home and vote Republican for the rest of their lives watching Fox News to save America, and that both of those are false choices, and that what this country needs more than anything right now are apostles and not assassins. We cannot allow the temptation to get blackpilled, you know, the enemy is trying to make this, even homes now can't even get together, and families can't even get together anymore because of divisions about masks and poison pokes. We can't take the bait on that. Uh, we, we cannot play into that. We cannot, that's just, that's just not how the kingdom of God operates. Do not give up your principles. But we have to, we have to remember ultimately that Jesus died for people. And such as once were some of us. And, and I needed to be reminded of that, to not take the enemy's bait. He is trying to black pill this culture. He is, he is telling one side of the culture, let the freak flag fly, no restraints, do whatever you want, out in the streets, and do it to their children, right to their face. And then he's telling the side that owns the 400 million guns, you have no hope, you have no agency, your political party that you align with hates you and won't and, and and even if even if we let you win an election we didn't rig, you won't get what you want out of the politicians you want anyway, and look, oh yeah, the one guy on that one network that you actually trusted just got fired yesterday. you have no hope, so I guess maybe you should take matters into your own hands he's 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 provoking us to get to a black pill event, and I think that that God is very concerned that that the hopelessness will rise that that will continue. there is no There was, there was a lot of providence in the American Revolution. There is no providence in the French Revolution. All that happens at the end of the French Revolution is they take down the Virgin Mary statue and replace it with the Goddess of Reason, wheel out the guillotines, and we just start executing a different class of people en masse. And I fear, there is fear, I believe, that we're heading to that event. Not some American revival. But this sort of Beau Populi storm the Bastille. And the mob outside Lot's house and the mob outside the Bastille aren't whole, neither one of them are holy endeavors. They're both humanistic manifestations. And that's what that's what you saw. That's that's what you saw at the end. You know, a tree by its fruit. The mob outside Lot's house, when they heard about who the visitors were. They said, well, bring them out so we can have our way with them. We can rape them. The mob outside the Bastille, they just started guillotining people. They started a reign of terror. They went from let them eat cake elitism to a reign of terror. Divorced from God, we have no hope. And we need a reminder, and and it needs to be in a meaningful way. And I, I mean... What we call hope today in the Church is sentimentalism. It's not real. It doesn't meet people where they are really suffering. But ultimately, our real hope is in Him. And, and we have to avoid the temptation, Sandy, of becoming the generation of Jeremiah's time. We're, we're into graduation season now. And how many homeschool kids and Christian school kids are going to take Jeremiah 29-11 completely out of context and put it on their uh, invitation to their grad party? I mean, this is in the midst of God pronouncing a severe judgment against His people. This one verse is like an oasis. And we skip over all of that judgment to find this, like, one oasis. And But, the, but you know, they didn't want to listen to Jeremiah either. Well, we're making Israel great again. Well we still have the temple. They didn't want to listen. They didn't want to submit to God's will. And, and I think that you know, I had to learn that I need to have more faith in the gift giver than the gifts that he gave me. And I think we need to focus more on saving Americans, and that's how you'll save America.
0: I love it. And and,
1: and I think I needed to hear that the other night.
0: Yeah. No, I. I the things that stood out for me, because I, I listened to your testimony on this, Steve, uh, that you've just said. God spoke you felt him saying to you he needed an apostle not an assassin of course you're talking about your your tongue your your deeds me too I mean I'm a public figure who mm-hmm. goes after people an apostle not an assassin and the second thing was don't lose hope don't lose hope and the last thing that you did not say in this conversation was keep doing good keep doing, keep doing yeah. good and Steve I I don't want to I just this is your moment and I don't even, but I want you to know God's been saying the those last two things to me too. Don't lose uh-huh. hope, hope and keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing good. Same two things and I don't think that's an accident. So um God bless you Steve. I'm honestly this has been a real privilege. Uh, we've gone from this uh movie that will shake you to the core to What's at the bottom of all of it? Uh, spiritual warfare is real, and God is real, and His redemption, mm-hmm. and His salvation, and His filling with filling us with the Spirit and speaking to us is real. And you said something else that I want to ch- just comment on before we say goodbye. Here, you said that three hours in that corridor when you were hearing God's voice, and we're not talking about a literal megaphone, you know that. But there's a there's right. a thing that you know, right. you know it's His voice. Yep. Yep. And that you said you didn't, you wish you could go back there. Now, here you are, a sick, sick, sick man, really unsure of your future, miserable in every way, and yet you say you want to go back there. And that's another thing that I believe God's saying to me, too. Once you have tasted Him, in spite of these difficulties, you won't ever want to go back to the way you were. Amen. I believe that's our future. So um, let me just get practical. It's whoisnefarious.com for the movie. It's called A Nefarious Plot. Whoisnefarious.com. You can listen to Steve on Blaze TV, the Steve Dace show. You can listen to his podcast, the Steve Dace podcast. And of course, he's written a ton of really great books, which we don't have time to enumerate here, but the the one we're talking about today is A Nefarious Plot. So uh, Steve, God bless you and... I just, I feel privileged to be your friend. So thank you for sharing all this with us and to give my other good friend people. Daniel Horowitz is a good friend for such a long time and my audience is familiar with him and you guys are just melded together uh, in the work Mm -hmm. that you do. It's been a blessing to all of us. So thank you.
1: Thank you. You're very welcome. Happy to do it whenever my schedule permits and I appreciate you reaching out, Sandy. God bless you. Thank you.
0: Okay, God, God bless you, too. All right, this has been Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7.
1: This is Sandy Rios 24-7
2: on American Family Radio.
0: Well, that was quite the discussion, don't you think? And Steve is a remarkable person. He really is. I, I really enjoy listening to him, and I really enjoy hearing what he has to say. Well, we couldn't do that without your help. For just $28, you know that you can sponsor a life-changing ultrasound and write a brand-new story for a brand-new mom and a new baby. Donations of any size go towards saving babies and caring for mothers, and all contributions are tax-deductible. And when you give, you'll receive pictures and stories of the lives your gift helped to rescue. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword, baby. That's pound 250 or visit preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And as always, if you'd like to get in touch with us, if you've got something to say about what you just heard from Steve Days, you can call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can write us at Sandy at AFR.net, Sandy at AFR.net. And be sure and tell your friends uh, how they can find Sandy Reels 24-7, they can find it on all the podcast platforms, uh, whether it's Spotify or Apple or, you know, fill in the blanks. Or you can go to AFR.net, AFR.net, that's our home base, and listen to us there. All right, I've asked my sweetheart, Bruce, to join me, as I always do at this point in the program. That was quite a conversation with Steve Dice, wasn't it, honey?
2: It really was. Um I would say, since I became a Christian, the whether there's spiritual warfare, the existence of Satan, the existence of demons, that was one of the hardest concepts for me to understand and accept. And in fact, I had to speak with one of our former pastors about, you know, whether this these things really exist. Because, you know, from the pulpits anymore, you really don't hear much about hell and about, satan um it that's become kind of taboo in our because we don't want people to be scared or to be have their feelings hurt
0: or it's politically incorrect mm-hmm. uh, i guess it's just a little bit too out there and i don't want them to think i'm crazy so i'm not going to say this or that
2: yeah. yeah because i will say that um my my initial response when i was first sort of being schooled in in these matters is yeah, this is this sounds really out there. This sounds a little crazy. I mean, uh, uh, you know, spirits that are coming after you. But I will say in our own life, um, just the way Steve was talking about how they've been attacked since they've made this movie, I have seen it in your life. Um, frequently, if you're getting ready for an event uh, and we're, we're asleep at night, I will hear you crying out and your body shaking and I'll wake you because I know you're having a nightmare and almost inevitably it's a nightmare that you're having and it's almost always somebody coming after either you and trying to kill you or they're coming after your children and they're trying to kill you and to me it's not it's not a coincidence because it seems to coincide always with when you're getting ready to do something, whether it be on the air or in person. And I can tell you, I do not have those types of nightmares. I'm not doing that kind of work. You are, and I believe that it's not a coincidence.
0: Well, of course, I don't believe it's a coincidence either. I don't talk about it much because uh, why would I? <clears throat> but it's certainly true, and I, it's, it's uh, also you know, emotional well-being. I feel the attack that way, and I think Steve didn't get to that, but he, uh, in his personal testimony on this, with, on his podcast, he talks about uh, the despair, the hopelessness, and I can certainly relate to that, too. It's, I know it's a mental battle, and I have learned, I've been serving Jesus a long time now, and I have begun to recognize, for the most part, my intellect can tell me, that's not rational. That's not Rational. This is an attack. I know it is. And I, I, I'm at the point where I just say, you know, Satan, <laughs> I'm not very strong. I'm pretty weak, and I do a lot of really ridiculous, awful things in my own mind. I'm easy. I'm an easy target. You can, you can hit me. You can hurt me. You can depress me. You can do all kinds of things, but I will never stop serving the Lord Jesus you might as well quit. You might as well forget it because I'm not going anywhere. He is my king of kings and lord of lords. So do what you will to me, but I will never stop serving him. And that's where I am with that, um, Bruce. And I often have that conversation with him. It was fascinating to hear Steve's story, though. I mean, I, I believe that God is making himself more real because the end is coming. And I think he's really, he's really reaching out. And I, I think Steve's story is just one that we've heard, and I think we're going to hear more of that.
2: Well, and I, I hope that our audience uh, takes it to heart that just because this movie that they've made is rated R, don't run away from it. Um, I think we all understand that these studios, these people in Hollywood, they do not want the Christian message to get out there. And what better way? and to try to sabotage a movie by giving it an R rating because, you know, we're brought up to think, oh, R, that's bad. We can't go to it. Um, I know people, and they have their reasons, that if they hear any kind of swearing in a movie, they will stop watching the movie. And um, so I think we have to take a little bit broader view here and say, you know, the reason this movie is rated R is probably because of the subject matter and not the actual acting or what you're going to see on the screen. And so this is just another attempt by the left through Hollywood to try to tamp down the story that we need to hear about spiritual warfare going on in this world.
0: Yeah, and once again, just to reiterate what Steve said, some people are sensitive to things, and they should be. I'm certainly sensitive to stuff too. It's, there isn't language in this. There is that, that stuff is not there. And as to uh, what is your name? As Bruce, oh boy, as Bruce just said. Maybe you're being maybe you're being
2: attacked right now. I'm gonna
0: blame. I'm gonna blame it.
2: Well, I can tell you is from personal experience. No one has walked out of more movies. In their lifetime, probably than my wife Sandy. I, it's it's sort of a running joke between her friends and her, like, oh, Sandy's walking out of another movie. It's <laughs> but,
0: true, but please don't we walk just, out on this one. I, you know, when <laughs> I, I since you said that, we I've not had a chance to say this, and I'm not, I'll talk about it some other time. My had a very dear friend for years, and his wife. Um, he was a world class photographer, was nominated for twelve Pulitzer prizes, traveled all over the world, and. Um, when I was single, uh, I'd be in my last hour of the radio in Chicago, and I would call them during the last commercial break and say, can hey, you guys want to go to a movie? And they'd say, yeah, we'll meet you. So they'd drop everything, and we would just drive to the AMC, which was halfway between the studio and their house, and go in and pick whatever movie you know was what, something he wanted to watch or uh, Shelly or I wanted to watch. But um, And more often than not, I couldn't sit through it. I would, you know, be eating my popcorn, and then I thought, I can't, I can't watch this. And so I just was—I didn't want them to feel badly. And so I very quietly just kind of get up and say, oh, "I'll be in the lobby." And the, it was kind of a little code, and they learned to live with it. But Val recently told us before he died. That he, I drove him crazy. I had no idea. <laughs> I drove him crazy. <laughs> he told me,
2: he said, no one's ever seen more half movies than Sandy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, well, this is not that kind of a movie. Nefarious is not that. So uh, whoisnefarious.com uh, is the website where you can find out where it's playing near you. But meanwhile, on the serious side, uh, uh, tune your spiritual ears, uh, tune them up, and be listening, and understand that God does not accuse you, he forgives. He convicts, he sends his spirit to convict you of sin, but the idea is so that you'll repent. He's not there to tell you that you're ugly, stupid, worthless, you have no value, uh, that you are, this is, you know, to bring you into despair. That is not the Holy Spirit of God. It's likely that other spirit, and that's what we want to make you aware of, and that's why we did this show. Okay. Hope you enjoyed, at least on some point, on some level, this show, Sandy Rios, 24-7.